This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. I'm your host, Miriam Marston, and once again, we'll be exploring the church's core identity and mission. And what's that, you might ask? Well, if you've been tuning in for a number of months, you'll know that the answer is evangelization. The church exists to evangelize, to share the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. He is the one who gave us the gift of the church so that we might bear witness to the love and mercy of God and become signs of hope in the world. And this week, my guest speaks on this topic from his perspective as a permanent deacon in the church and as someone who is very involved with care ministry as well as the rite of Christian initiation of adults, or the RCIA. As Deacon Larry Lumina will mention, one of the key roles of the deacon is the proclamation of the gospel at the Mass. And since the proclamation of the gospel is at the heart of evangelization, it follows that the vocation of the deacon is really closely connected to the mission that has been entrusted to the entire church to go and announce the good news to the whole world. In an address to permanent deacons, Pope St. John Paul II said, Whoever believes that Christ the Lord is the way, the truth, and the life, whoever knows that the church is his continuation in history, whoever has a personal experience of all this cannot fail for this very reason to become fervently missionary. Dear deacons, be active apostles of the new evangelization. Lead everyone to Christ. Through your efforts, may His kingdom also spread in your family, in your workplace, in the parish, in the diocese, in the whole world. In our times, there are people whom God calls to the martyrdom of blood. Far more numerous, however, are those believers who must endure the martyrdom of misunderstanding. Do not be upset by problems and conflicts. But on the contrary, have ever greater trust in Jesus, who redeemed humanity through the martyrdom of the cross. The divine teacher's words echo in our hearts. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Dear deacons, perhaps some of you are tired because of the burden of your duties, because of frustration due to unsuccessful apostolic projects, because many misunderstand you. Do not lose heart. Throw yourselves into Christ's arms. He will refresh you. Again, that is from Pope St. John Paul II. And while this was addressed to deacons, I think there is a message here for all of us. Perhaps we feel fatigue or frustration or misunderstanding, but we too are called to throw ourselves into the arms of Christ. He truly does offer refreshment to the soul, and we need that. Because the mission of evangelization requires spiritual strength and courage and perseverance. 
In the basic norms and directory for deacons, we read, The element which most characterizes diaconal spirituality is the discovery of and sharing in the love of Christ the servant, who came not to be served but to serve. Again, I feel that there is a message for all of us in that. So much joy in the Christian life is to be found in this discovery of and sharing in the love of Christ the servant. And I am grateful that we have deacons who can help show us the way of that discovery and that sharing. So please enjoy my conversation with Deacon Larry, and I'll have a brief reflection on the other side of the interview. Well, I'm delighted to be joined today by Deacon Larry Lumina, who is assigned at St. Henry's Parish in Gresham. And his main job there is care ministry in RCIA. Deacon Larry, it's great to have you on the show. How are you today? Well, I'm doing great. And it's really nice to be here. And it's been a a surprise that I was asked to uh, come on and talk with you today. So very happy to be here. You know, Deacon Larry, let's dive in. As you look look back on the different chapters of your life, um, can you highlight for us some moments when you really saw the Holy Spirit at work in your life? How did the Catholic faith really start to take root in your own experience. Yeah, and I, I, I've actually got a story that people tell me is, is fascinating because I grew up in a Protestant tradition mm-hmm. and like most teenagers, fell away from that when I was 13 or 14. Yeah. Felt I knew um, what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And I was strong enough to get through things on my own. Yeah. And um, when I was uh, just out of high school, met my wife who was Catholic. And, and uh, you know, my, my mother was fairly anti-Catholic, and all my father told me was, uh, you know, all those Catholic women want to do is have babies. And so um, I thought, I don't, you know, really care. I was just happy she was a person of faith, even though I didn't express an interest. Sure. And, um, and then we'll fast forward a few years later, mm-hmm. I was uh, becoming um, atheistic and agnostic and um, pretty much had a lot of arguments for why I didn't like organized religion. I fell into that grouping of um, what would be now like the non-practicing Catholics, but I wasn't practicing anything. And so went about life kind of thinking about that and, and not really, you know, expressing an interest in the church. Then my father became sick. I didn't grow up with him. But um, he had moved up into the Northwest here after he retired. And we had kind of a, uh, you know, every once in a while go fishing together and whatnot. And he got sick. And for the first time in my life, I developed a relationship with him. So he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and myasthenia gravis. And it's a combination of, of uh, things that no one would ever want to have. It's the, the, the brain stops sending signals two um, muscles and it starts top to bottom. And then when it hits your heart, you basically die. Mm-hmm. And then the Parkinson's of course has its own set of problems, but my senior gravis, I wouldn't wish on anybody. And basically it took everything away from him that he loved. He loved talking, he loved eating. And so he was eating through a tube and in his stomach and whatnot. And he had been more open. Like when he was really sick, I would see him every day. Then he would push back as soon as he started feeling well again and say, oh, I don't only need to see you maybe once every two weeks. Once a month would be fine. Then as he started getting sicker again. And that went on for two years. And I thought, if I may have a relationship with my father, 
And, but he was starting to feel better. And so he said, oh, you only need to come up every two weeks. Well, the, um, went and, went and saw him and it was an interesting meeting because, you know, he looked at me and he said, why don't you go to church? Hmm. And I used a term of the day. It's probably not appropriate this day, but I said, well, that's kind of the pot calling the kettle black since you don't go to church. And he said, no, you need to, to join the church. And he says, I mean the Catholic church, because that's the church that Christ established on earth here. And I was stunned that that would even come out of his mouth. Right. And I go, okay, sure. You know? And I just, I thought, huh, that's interesting for him to say. And I, I'd never understood it. And we had a short visit and then I, I, I took off. It turns out that um, that was the last conversation I ever had with him because he passed away before my next two week visit, yeah. you know, on his terms. And so I just let it kind of sink in and mull. I just kind of kept thinking about it. Why would he have said that to me? Right. And so he died in like March and it was 1995. Okay. And I kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And in, in late August, I started thinking maybe I ought to join the church. Hmm. So in early September, mid-September, I called uh, St. Joseph the Worker and talked to their pastoral associate. And I said, I want to become Catholic. <laughs> and she goes, you do? Do you go to church now? I go, no. And I don't intend on it. I didn't think that was like a requirement because I'd always heard that, gee, most Catholics don't go to church. And so, you know, it's one of those silly things that I had in my mind. Yeah. And she goes, oh, no, 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 you have to go to church. And, and she goes, and by the way, we have a, a process called the RCIA and it starts tonight. Oh. So there's the first Holy Spirit moment. I didn't have any idea that they were starting the process to become Catholic. I just called the church out of the blue, which to me isn't out of the blue. Yeah. And so I go to the RCIA process, and um, at you know the first night they say, "Well, you need to start going to church." And I ah, begrudgingly I said, "Okay." When I walked into church that Sunday with my family, I felt a sense of peace that I'd never felt in my life. Wow! And I thought, "This is this is like home," yeah. and I've never never looked back. And so I look at those moments like you know the Holy Spirit through my father was working to this day. I don't believe it was my father really talking. I think it was the Holy spirit talking through my father um, to me because he would have in his life. He never, ever, ever talked religion. Right. And then the was fact he, that I call. Yeah. Was he practicing? Sorry. Was he practicing any, any faith at the time? No. Okay. So really, it really came out of the blue. <laughs> All right. No, in fact, at one point, my, uh, my stepmother was, um, part of the Salvation Army. Yeah. And so he didn't want to be resuscitated. So the first call I got at the beginning of the two year process, he was he was dying and she had him put on a ventilator. And I said, he didn't want to be resuscitated. Oh, and and so uh, he said uh, she was kind of yelling, uh, do you do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he finally nodded his head. Yes. And she goes, OK, he can die. Well, turns out like a year later, he tells me I just told her that to get her off my back. You know, so that's where he was. And Got so for it, this yeah. to come out of him is, is extraordinary. Now, we keep moving forward, and I become very active in the RCA process at St. Joseph the Worker. And I absolutely love it, doing things, um, trying to bring other people to Christ, and just being nice to people. Um, at the same time, working, um, 
you know, for the postal service where I retired from. Yeah. And then over the years, every once in a while, someone would say, you know, you ought to think about becoming a deacon. And a very good friend of mine is Deacon Mike Caldwell. And he was kind of my example. And, and so I talked to him about the process and, and whatnot. And so one day, you know, it was, oh, I don't know, about 20, 2009, 2010, I decided I'll call the Archdiocese of Portland yeah. and see what it takes to be a deacon. And so I called. And at the time, it was Deacon Vern Korchinski who recently passed away. And I said, I'd, I'd like to inquire about becoming a deacon. He goes, well, you know, you're very lucky because we're, we're closing the, the application cycle for the two. We have a two year process okay. and I can get you in. I mean, we're just ready to, to, to move on. Yeah. And I thought, wow, I probably wouldn't have done it had I had to wait two more years to, to enter into some kind of formation. Yeah. So the second Holy Spirit moment that I could really say, this is truly the Holy Spirit working then I thought, once I heard all the requirements, yeah. I'm thinking, well, you know, if this works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'll just do, I'll serve somewhere else in of the course. church. Of course, yeah. And so we did the first year of, of kind of an inquiry um, where we're looking at, at, at the diaconate process. The church is looking at us. And then they come up with the, um, uh, you need to get a master's in um, pastoral ministries. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my, I haven't been in school for a long time. And I've got a staff at work that that I can move a lot of my work off onto. And my, I don't know how this is going to go. I said, but if it doesn't work, they can always just, you know, flunk me and I'll be done. Yeah. And I started the process. And it was one of the hardest things I ever did. Now, at the same time I'm in process, my wife is diagnosed with breast cancer. And so in the, in the uh, summer sessions of the first year, she was having major surgeries. I was going to classes out at the Griffin Center. Yeah. So overwhelmed. I can't describe it. And we'd had a test one night. The test started at about nine o'clock at night on, on, on the Friday night cycle. So I'd worked all day, gone to the Griffin Center, been in class. And then um, the professor pulls a test on us. And I was so angry after um, I'd gotten home, I told my wife uh, something and, and she said, well, if he comes home angry like this again, I'm going to, because she had the right to pull me out of the process. Oh, of course. So that night I prayed um, for the, for God's guidance and the Holy Spirit to help me. And I just turned everything over the illness, the um, workload to the Holy Spirit. And I said, if, if this is meant to be, I'll just follow and so from that point on, it all got easier. She survived um, the surgeries and she's, she's cancer free to this day. Um, the workload seemed like it lightened up for whatever reasons. And uh, in 2015, I was ordained. And so, you know, you, you, you have to put faith in God and let the Holy Spirit um, guide instead of trying to put it on yourself and, and get over the ego and, and whatnot. And so all my, my journey into the Catholic church has been one Holy spirit guided moment after another. And I, I tell people that all the time, it's just, you have to be open to it to understand what's happening. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, for those just tuning in, I'm speaking with De uh, Deacon Larry Lumina, who is assigned at St. Henry's parish in Gresham. Uh, Deacon Larry, thank you for sharing 
your journey into the church and then that vocational journey. And this is the first time actually on Blazing the Trail that I've, I'm pretty sure that I've spoken to a deacon. And because the focus of this show is evangelization, do you find there's a a particular call of the deacon in the mission of evangelization? How do you think the diaconate can really connect to this mission of sharing the gospel in today's world? Well, you know, you know, deacons are, are ordained to serve. And one of, one of the, um, I guess my heroes in, um, of the saints would be St. Francis. And there's something that's attributed to St. Francis. I don't know if you ever said it or wrote it, but it's, you know, preach the gospel often, but if you have to use words. And I think our actions have so much to do with how people perceive um, people of faith, people that proclaim Christianity and the church. And, and as a deacon, I'm in a wonderful spot to be able to do that. I have, um, you know, for one thing that, you know, they say deacons have one foot in laity and one foot in, in, in the clergy, in the divine life. Yeah. And, and you can connect really easily with people. Yeah. Um, you know, where, where sometimes it might be that a, that a, that a priest, people are, are, not always, but sometimes maybe a little bit afraid to to bring something up or talk or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, I'm 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 as close to the laity. In fact, you know, I consider myself laity, even though I'm ordained, um, as you can get. And I think that puts you in a in a a, a better plane to talk with people. Um because you you do have real life practical experiences, you know, being married, yeah. having a different career. Uh, I just told um, a nurse today, I said, my career was with the postal service. My vocation is with the Catholic church. And there's a whole lot of difference between a a career, a job and a vocation. And so, but I think deacons have a a great opportunity because we are ministers of the word. And if we don't share the word, we're not using our, our charism, so to speak, fully. And can you explain that for our listeners who might be less familiar with the diaconate when you mean, uh, I think you said ministers of the word, it, does that mean like the proclamation of the word? Like uh, unpack that just a little bit. Cause I think. Oh, that's sure. An important point. You know, so for example, if, if you went to mass mm-hmm. and there was a deacon present, yeah. a deacon would be proclaiming the gospel reading, even if the Pope was presiding, right? A deacon that's our ministry is proclaiming the word, proclaiming the gospel of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so um, we have a, a very, um, you know, heightened sense yeah. of, of the gospel, because that is one of the cores of our ministry. The other course is minister of the cup. Okay. And so in the Eucharist, which right now with the pandemic going is not a very popular item, yeah. um, you know, because of, of the fear of spread of germs, but uh, with that being said, um, the, the proclamation of the word is so important. And to understand perhaps how to proclaim the word. Now, turning our attention to your main areas of focus, which are care ministry and the RCIA, how do you see your journey really continuing and extending into these areas of ministry? How have you been able then to kind of share Christ with others because he was shared with you? Well, care ministry I think is one of the most important ministries in a church because it's, it's allowing the laity 
to really reach out and be of service to the elderly, to home, to the homebound, to shut-ins, because we have approximately 40 ministers going out to, uh, well, before the pandemic, 120 people in different care facilities in Gresham. That's scaled back a lot because they open and close based on what's happening with the pandemic. But without that ministry, can you imagine being a shut-in yeah. and not having any experience with, with, with a human being, yeah. um, not only just the talk and, and the camaraderie, but to receive the body of Christ on a regular basis. That is so important for, for elderly people. I've, I've done it myself, and you become so attached to the people um, that, that, that you visit. Yeah. But without care ministry, uh, I would I would think the church would almost be at a loss. It, it, it's got to be one of the major focuses of, of any any parish uh, to reach out. It's not just in the anointings of the sick, but it's it's the human touch that that really matters. Yeah, yeah. And Pope Francis speaks a lot of going out to the margins, and I think of this ministry as one of those margin ministries, really kind of going out to those areas of our community. Uh, and what about the, you must love doing the, helping out with RCIA, Deacon Larry, because this is, this stems from your own experience too. Yeah. Our, RCIA is really the the ministry that I, I identify with probably the most because I did come through the process. I did see how it can affect people. And I do see how it affects people in their growth in the faith every single year. Because I always, I always say, when you called the church and said, I want to join RCIA, did you think you were doing that just because you were some sort of a genius or is it because the Holy spirit is working in your life? And so if I can teach you anything this year, it's that the Holy spirit is active and working in your life and God loves you. No matter what you learn from me, if you learn those things, I'll feel it's been a success. And, you know, people are so open to the spirit when they come to um, RCIA. And a lot of them are the people like myself that mo moved away from the church before they got confirmed. Yeah. And maybe they were in their teen years or early, early college or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they just decide I'm not going to get confirmed. And then we see them again when they find out that maybe they weren't so smart after all. <laughs> we have the people coming out of addictions and, and uh, right. of the different substances and whatnot. We have people that all of a sudden found something in the Catholic church like myself that attracts them. And that's exciting to me because RCIA is the visible um, vibrancy and growth in the church. And, and like you see people coming to mass, you know, every weekend, it's nice to see them. But when you see a group of people wanting the faith, it kind of does something for your own faith that says the church is still alive and well, regardless of all the, of all the controversies and stuff that's happened in the past, the church is still alive and well, which means, you know, God is still among us. And I, I see that in RCIA. Easter vigil has increasingly become my favorite night of the year. It's just, oh. it's glorious to see really how the light shines in the darkness through the this witness of the catechumen stepping forward and you see i mean i just see so much hope and um 
I, you know, I can remember setting up reserving pews when I was at St. Joseph, the worker, and someone said, what are you reserving pews for? And I'd say, oh, we're having a RCI right of sending or whatever. Right. Oh, good. The RCI is here today. You know, they were upset at first that I was reserving their pew, but then they were so happy it was the RCIA. And pe- people just, I think when they come through RCIA, they don't understand how much um, they help other people in their own faith. And, um, and one thing you hear a lot from the cradle Catholics, those that were born into the Catholic faith, baptized as babies, they look at RCA and go, I wish I could go through that. Right. Right. And so that's why the need for adult education, because so many people, even though they may have gone to Catholic school, they look at the RCA and, and go, I wish I could go through that and learn my faith. And that's what we try to offer. You know, you can't just dismiss it. And so every once in a while I have, have someone join us as that's, a cradle Catholic right. and, and they're, Oh boy, I didn't know that or, or, or whatever, you know, the comments are very, very, very positive. Okay. And so it's a process that I think um, it needs to be canned and spread, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and I like this because even if a cradle Catholic says, Oh, I, I, I wish I could have gone through RCIA. Well, when, then we remember that this reminds us we're each called to ongoing conversion. And that's oh, yeah. really the key here is that conversion is for everyone. There's no, there's no stage of life that is exclusively reserved for conversion. So uh, it's, it's wonderful to be reminded that this journey continues. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, Deacon Larry, I am so grateful for your time today. Thank you for just your yes to Christ, your yes to the diaconate and your yes to, to all the wonderful things you're doing at St. Henry's. I ask that God continue to bless you, your family, and the good people of St. Henry's. Thank you. Yeah, very, very much appreciated. Deacon Larry shared with us his work with the RCIA and the great joy that he has accompanying those men and women who are preparing to be baptized at Easter. Part of that preparation involves something called the rite of election, which marks a very important moment in the catechumen's journey toward baptism. During that rite, the presider will say the following prayer. Father of love and power, it is your will to establish everything in Christ and to draw us all into his all-embracing love. Guide these chosen ones, strengthen them in their vocation, build them into the kingdom of your Son, and seal them with the spirit of your promise. What a beautiful prayer and a powerful reminder of what God is seeking to do in all of us. He guides, He strengthens, He builds, He seals, He draws us into His all-embracing love. I hope that we can carry this promise of God's faithfulness and mercy with us into the days to come. And at one point, as Deacon Larry was describing some of his work with those preparing to come into the church, he said, If I can teach you anything this year, it's that the Holy Spirit is active and working in your life, and God loves you. My friends, I think that is an excellent note to close this episode on, and I repeat that message to all of you listening. The Holy Spirit is active and working in your life, and God loves you. So now the question is, how will you respond? Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to blaze a trail of faith here in the Pacific Northwest. Until then, God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail. 
a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon.